0: Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started.
1: Hello again, y'all, and welcome to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're discovering what the scripture teaches regarding doctrine and theology. You know, things that a lot of Christians think are too difficult to tackle or too hard to understand or are just plain out of reach. But we're always attempting to do this in a way that is applicable to the lives we live. And we do this because we agree with what the German theologian Karl Barth once said, In the Church of Jesus Christ, there can and should be no non-theologians. We want to help you become a good theologian who knows, understands, and can discuss the doctrines of the Bible. We want to help you be strong in your faith, knowledgeable in and of the word, and growing in your love for Jesus. Today is now our second episode in a series on the church. The doctrine of the church, as we defined last time, is also known as ecclesiology. And over the course of this series, we'll dive into seven snapshots of what the New Testament teaches about the church. The New Testament says that the church is a flock, a Fellowship, a body, a bride, a family, as God's house, and a priesthood. But today, let's just go in a different direction. I want to start today by talking about college football. Yes! <laughs> One of our favorite topics around here, although we don't always agree.
2: I would say we would not ever agree.
1: Well, I think we can agree on leadership principles that we appreciate (laughs) in certain coaches and certain lineages. But I don't know. And I... Come do from. you see that?
2: I, I do have I'm see pointing that. on my wall kitchen table theologians <laughs> to the cover of the 2016 magazine National Champions Clemson Tigers 35 Alabama Crimson Tide 31. That was 2 years before we won 44 to 16 over Alabama. And I don't want to talk about the in-between years where we lost to Alabama. Mm-hmm. But Jen's an Alabama fan. I'm a huge Clemson fan. But you know, I got to thinking about this, so I want to keep this in a biblical context. Okay. <laughs> so you thinking, and this I got from my good friend brother Alan Perry at Coushatta Baptist Church. Hello, brother Alan. And he said, always remember you've got three Ts in the New Testament. You've got Thessalonians, the books of Timothy and Titus. Thessalonians timothy titus and now we got to three t's in jacksonville your hometown
1: mm-hmm.
2: of trevor <laughs> travis and tebow it so, is
1: going to be a powerhouse well i'm not you know of all a of, a of a team Clemson but they fans. are the jaguars
2: so you never know <laughs> Yeah, it's it's going to go sideways quickly, I but, think. You but, you
1: know, there is something special about college football in general. But there is especially something special about college football in the South. Yeah. And there is a whole other kind of special it's, about college football in the state of Alabama. And unfortunately, it
2: really is a religion.
1: <laughs> it is. It is. It is a cultural thread, at minimum. You come out of the womb in the state of Alabama yelling War Eagle or Roll Tide. Yeah. Once and you if make you yell that, the wrong
2: one, they'll spank you. Oh, well, I think they spank <laughs> you
1: anyways. But, I mean, even just that phrase, Roll Tide, I know you like to steal it from time to time and roll add tigers, roll tigers yeah. instead. Roll tide is a greeting. It is a benediction. It is said at weddings. It is recited at funerals. Do you know the saying that's recited at funerals? No, enlighten us. If you want to get to heaven and walk the streets of gold, you got to know the password. Roll tide, roll. And ne'er a tear in the house as the, you know, the my biggest compulsory fear, roll tide. My biggest comes fear up.
2: every time we do a <laughs> podcast is that we're going to go down Heresy. and find ourselves into heretical. Unbiblical territory. Yes. And so let me say, I have
1: just done that. I do not believe any truth in that statement, nor do I want that statement uh. reiterated at my own funeral. However, <laughs> my father may be a different. But
2: that case. does give you some some <laughs> insight. I know here, and I live four and a half hours away from Clemson, and we're season ticket holders to Clemson football and baseball. So I have an app on my phone. It's one hundred five point five, the Roar <laughs> FM from Greenville, South Carolina, and they talk Tigers every day every of day. the year. And so I'll put it on on my phone in the truck and drive around just, you know, like I'm in the Holy Land. But you know, our two teams, fans just don't attend games. We will go to practices and we'll do anything. We'll talk about it to anybody mm-hmm. who listen. I wear at Clemson, it's a solid orange Friday, every Friday. So <laughs> if you're a Clemson fan, you're wearing orange on Friday somewhere. You've got people have wear jerseys, your favorite name, favorite number, whatever. They're not people. I mean, I have seen it doesn't surprise me anymore, mm-hmm. but I run into so many women. I can't keep up with them and their knowledge of the team who's coming out of high school. Oh, for sure. Who we're trying to sign, who we're trying <laughs> to recruit. I'm like, what in the world? I've been to pregames. I saw a woman timing the hang time of a punt before oh, the games. Goodness. The punters out there practicing. She has a stopwatch <laughs> watching her hand. Click. Oh yeah, 4.2 and oh, that's not good or that's, you know, I mean, it's it's just crazy and, and we're never any sadder when we lose and we're never any happier when we win.
1: And I think even on the many, 18, on the many times that Alabama has won the national championship, 18. Um, How many? 18. Um, <laughs> my daddy will be sad the next morning because 365 more days until it rolls back We're down to 85
2: days. I counted it out until we open against Georgia in 85 days. So Georgia fans, I'm sorry. Rally up.
1: (laughs) Here we go. Go But hey, should we go ahead and dive in today?
2: This is so much more fun though. (laughs) Yeah. Well, here's our point in all of this. Okay. Complete strangers. And I see this at every tailgate and we go to every tailgate. Complete strangers have fellowship together because of their common interest in the team. I was walking in a parking lot today, and I've got on a Clemson shirt today. I've got Clemson stuff all over my truck, and there was a family of four. And guess what? They're moving here Mm -hmm. like the rest of the world right now. I didn't stop to ask, but I'm sure they're probably from Ohio. And as soon as they saw the Clemson stuff, oh, our son wants to go to Clemson. And so I stood there in the parking lot for 10 minutes and told them all about Clemson. So what did we have there? Well, we had a little bit of thing there called fellowship. And so that's the topic of today. Now, it's taken us a long time to get to the topic of today, but I'm really looking forward to it. So,
1: And I understand why it was... Well, it's always fun to talk about college football, but it is important because it is that idea of fellowship, of commonality, of unity, of something that brings us all together.
2: You live somewhere else. You were raised a different way. You have a different ethnic background, but you have your football team in common. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, now you have a best friend. Yep. You know, because, man, you can just go off. And that's the general idea of fellowship, even as you bring that into the church a little bit. So
1: when we say that, let's put some some flesh on those bones. That, yeah, that, we should
2: try to make this yeah. biblical at some point. <laughs>
1: let's bring it, since I already went off on the heretical line there. <laughs> what do we mean when we say that the church is a fellowship? And let me give you a diving board of a verse. Let's just launch this from here. In Acts 2, verse 42, they continued steadily learning the teaching of the apostles and joined in the fellowship.
2: Yeah, I think this is a cool thing because you and I both grew up in churches. We had a fellowship hall. Yes, Every we did. Baptist church in the world. <laughs> If they're any good, has a fellowship hall. And what do we do? Well, we fellowship there. We you had know, some and-
1: fried chicken and <laughs> but we
2: we have grown up to equate exactly what you just did. Fellowship equals food. If you don't have food, it's not fellowship. For sure. So that's not exactly right according to the biblical standard. <laughs> so fellowship though is not just something the church is. Fellowship is something that we do. Hmm. So how do you define fellowship? The best definition is two fellows on the same ship. That's the best definition Hmm. of fellowship. So if you were in New York City, I've always thought this would be awesome. If you were in New York City, of course, first of all, you wouldn't ever get me in New York City. But if you did ever see me, if you ever see me in New York City... I'm on my way out. <laughs> I'm finding a way it's out. It's
1: just a, a pit stop somewhere. Yeah, and something
2: yeah. went horribly wrong. But if you were in New York City and you were going to take the Cooner Lines Queen Mary Two ship, you know, you can take the Queen Mary Two from Southampton to New York and back. Mm-hmm. That would be great. It I'd would love to be. Do that. You would inevitably fellowship with people. So think about it this way. You're both headed in the same direction. Uh, so you get to know each other. You associate because you're going in the same direction. And you're kind of on that ship for however many days it takes across the North Atlantic. And that's really what fellowship is. Fellowship is when you get to know other people because you're headed in the same direction. And as Christians, we're all headed to heaven. We're headed in the same direction. So the Bible says we're to have fellowship with each other. Now, the Bible says that the church is a fellowship. So a top priority, if not the top priority in fellowship, is harmony and unity. And we know that we can have unity without having uh, uniformity.
1: And I love that. I often refer to that as the human race is this beautiful tapestry because we're all different. We all have different hair color and skin color. We're all different ages and different sizes. And I truly believe that God loves that, that God loves that type of diversity. Oh, absolutely. I mean, thank the Lord, literally, (laughs) that we are all not alike that, I mean, it would be boring. It would be so vanilla, yeah. as the kids these days call it. And I like my 31 flavors.
2: <laughs> yeah, and God does too. So <laughs> God, so to speak, made you a particular flavor and He wants you to be you and me to be me. Uh, he doesn't want you to be anybody else. And no one flavor is better than any other flavor. And so when we talk about unity, we have unity because we're all saved in the church. We're all saved by Christ, not because we all look alike, act alike, breathe alike, talk alike, or even dress alike. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite Bible verses. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That's Ephesians 4, 3. And then the next verse says this, let us concentrate on the things that make for harmony and the growth of our fellowship together. So there Paul ties in harmony, unity with the fellowship that we have together, because we're all headed in the same direction. Mm
1: -hmm. I've always liked that verse too, and I think there's other iterations of it that say, with as much as is up to you or make right. every effort. Right. Which always kind of spoke to me that it as wasn't going to depends on as you. As much as it yeah. depends on you that it wasn't always going to be an easy thing, but it's still something that we are called to. right? For sure.
2: And if we all do that, then we're doing pretty well.
1: So, we can't really talk about unity without talking about disunity because I think while the goal is unity, what we often see played out right. in human circles in our culture is disunity. So I know that the Bible teaches that anything that causes disunity is sin. And there's a bunch of verses that says that anyone that causes conflict in the church is sinning. So is it right to think that whenever someone is causing conflict in the church or when Christians allow themselves to be divided over minor issues?
2: Like the color of the carpet in the sanctuary? my goodness. (laughs) I
1: don't care if it's red or if it's navy blue, you know, which was always red where I yep. grew up. But if it's, you know, we get mad over these little things as Christians. Are we destroying that fellowship? And if you destroy the fellowship, last time we talked about the church not being four walls, are we actually tearing down the walls of the church?
2: Yeah, good observations. Disunity principle really does, as you play it out, it's got a number of ramifications. The implications are that however you organize your church, a good structure should promote unity and harmony and downplay differences. Mm -hmm. In the New Testament, we're never given method. We're given message. We're given mission, but we're never told, okay, this is exactly what a church service should look like. We're never told this is exactly how a church should be structured, how it should be organized. But what we do know is that we ought to organize ourselves in a way that minimizes our differences and maximizes our commonality. That makes every effort to right. keep the unity. Yeah. yeah. So the problem is that many churches, the way that they're organized, actually promote differences rather than downplay them. For I'll give you an example. If a church votes on all kinds of different stuff, and I grew up, that's the church I grew up in. The first couple of churches I served in, we're voting every time, you know, Wednesday night business meeting, mm-hmm. vote, vote, <laughs> vote, 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 vote. But every time you take a vote, you're causing people to take sides, are you not? Mm-hmm. Sure, you are. And so every time you take a vote, you're creating division in the church. Now, it might not be a big deal, or it might be big enough to split the church. Right down the middle, which happens all the time on an all-too-frequent basis, every time a church votes on something, if there's one descending vote, at least one person has lost. And there's that element of separation there. For that reason, for example, here at Low Country Community Church in Beaufort County, we don't vote at our church. Voting, it's just been my experience, voting tends to create division. For instance, if I were to ask a group of people if they like the shoes I happen to be (laughs) wearing— Three might say, yeah, I really like them. Fifty might say, no, I can't stand it. 250 people might not even care. What would they care? So every time you take a vote, somebody loses. And nobody can win all the time. Not the pastors, not the elders, not the deacons. So if you vote on everything at a church pretty soon, you're going to have a church full of losers. So maybe that's (laughs) where the commonality comes in. I don't know, but the harmony (laughs) goes down Mm. and the love goes down because the division has gone up. And just one other word on some of y'all are listening to this going, why are you on about voting? But this happens in so many, many churches. Voting is so foreign in the New Testament that there's not an example of it in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And you think if they voted on anything, it might have been choosing Judas's replacement, right? Judas Iscariot killed himself, so they had to replace him. So they had to pick a replacement apostle. And how did they do it? The Bible says they cast lots. That means, in essence, they rolled dice. Voting was so foreign to their thinking, they were more likely to draw straws than they were to vote. There's not one example of majority rule in the New Testament that's good— We do see an example where Paul was taken prisoner. He's put on a ship to Rome, and he told them, God's told me, even though I'm the prisoner, don't set sail. And if you do, we're going to run into a storm. But he's the prisoner. But what do they care what he says? The majority of the sailors said, no, we're going to go. It's a good idea to go. We'll be fine. So they left. They went. And guess what happened? Storm came up, and the ship was wrecked. The majority is often wrong. In the Old Testament, the majority of Israelites wanted to go back to Egypt. And Moses said, no, we've got to keep going. We've got to get to the promised land. So a church is not a democracy. A church is a theocracy. And the word theocracy is from the Greek, and it means the rule of God. So God is in charge. And our whole job is to find out what God wants us to do and then do it and get out of his way.
1: And didn't Paul talk about this to the Corinthian church and say something along the lines that their meetings caused more harm? than good yeah. you and I have talked about this before I grew up in a church that had voting as well and I've been in those Wednesday night business meetings that definitely did more harm than good and voting voting on the always, budget was
2: always voting on the budget and fun. yeah
1: oh well, yeah <laughs> Brings back some bad memories for well, sure. For yeah, sure. Yeah,
2: but Paul did say that your meetings are doing more harm than good. And he went on to say, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And the Bible says, anytime you divide the church, you're creating a division, and that harms the fellowship.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, some of the most healthy organizations I've been in have said, you know, in this room, we hash everything out. You have your opinion. I have my opinion. But when we leave this room, we own this decision because we're going to go forward in
2: in harmony. That's a secure, healthy organization. And that's a secure, healthy leader Mm -hmm. that does that.
1: But unfortunately, sometimes we bring the Wednesday night business meeting (laughs) into.
2: (laughs) We, we, We bring our humanity into it.
1: For sure. So maybe it'll be helpful to dissect this word fellowship for a second. How about breaking it down and defining it for us a little bit? Two fellows on the same ship, but what does that mean?
2: Yeah, well, fellowship comes from the Greek word koinonia. And perhaps you've heard the word before, maybe not. But the root of that word simply means common. It's the Greek word koinos, and it was at the heart of Greek society. So the Greeks placed an emphasis on the individual. And as an individual, you have your own personal life, you have personal rights. And yet they also believe that as an individual, you lived by and you live for the society. So the Greek said, if the individual is not to perish, he must be firmly bound to the koinon, the common property of all. And we express this idea in the Western world, whenever we see that, or whenever we say, no man is an island unto himself. I'm sure you've heard that. So the common was the root idea of what held Greek society together. It included common property, common governmental functions, these shared goals of the community. So the idea of having things in common is also very true within the Christian community. Because think about, for a second with me, what do we share in common with each other as Christians? Well, we have the same God, Ephesians 4. We have a common salvation, Jude 3. We have a common faith, Titus 1. And in Acts 2, a verse read earlier, we have all things in common. And so the word fellowship, biblically, means to share with someone in something. To share with someone in something. So as Christians, we share with one another in many ways. We share in fellowship with God, fellowship with the Son, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We have fellowship in the Gospel. Paul wrote that to the Philippians. We have communion or fellowship of the blood of Christ, fellowship of the crucified Christ, fellowship with other believers.
1: And that's all good for us to know and understand as we study this doctrine of ecclesiology, but I'm going to stop and ask the question I always do.
2: Say it with her. So what?
1: (laughs) I can see how important it is within the local church and even the church universal, but is fellowship something that should stay within, again, the four walls of the church, or in other words, does it make a kind of impact outside those proverbial walls?
2: Well, that's a great question. So let me ask you... Jen, if you would, to read another really important verse for us along these lines as we begin to land the theological plane today. So Hebrews Ten, twenty-four, and 25. And
1: let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near.
2: So we've established the New Testament word for fellowship, koinonia, expresses the idea of being together, and there's a mutual benefit there. We have things in common. That verse shares that idea and then gives us two reasons to fellowship with other believers, and they're important. And first, that those verses said, our common fellowship helps us express our love to one another. And secondly, our fellowship, our commonality, encourages good works. There's another important reason for Christian fellowship, and here we answer your question, its impact on unbelievers. So Jesus told his disciples, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Well, what does this mean? If you have love for one another. So the love Christians have for one another can influence others toward faith in Jesus Christ. And that's all part of fellowship. Still another important reason for Christian fellowship is the ability to pray together. Early believers were committed to prayer individually and in groups. In James 5, they said, "As any among you sick? Let him call on the elders of the church. The elders would come together and pray for the sick, pray for those who had sinned. And that required commonality and being together. It's also really important, this fellowship for church decision-making in Acts 6 and Acts 15. The early church gathered to make important decisions about the direction of the church. So that required commonality and prayer and discussion. And although this may sound so basic, it's almost humorous, Christian fellowship is required Required for baptism. A new Christian cannot baptize him or herself because it's not a public profession of faith at that. Christians gather together in commonality to celebrate a person's baptism and serve as witnesses of the person's commitment to a new life in Jesus. Christian fellowship is required for communion, you know, to take the Lord's Supper together. This is a very ancient practice, and it requires us to be together with other believers to remember the body and the blood of Christ. Now, Many believers today wrongly don't recognize the importance of fellowship or local church involvement, but Christian fellowship is absolutely essential to our spiritual growth. If you think about it, many aspects of our spiritual lives depend on being together with other believers because it's in that context we can encourage, teach, serve, and share life together.
1: And that last statement, share life together, is what my family just personally has been so blessed with here at our church at Lowcountry Community Church over the last now sixteen years as we celebrate our we should give you a
2: pin or something and
1: our sweet sixteen we have a beautiful facility here we've been blessed and Lord's provided over the years for us to continue to grow physically as we've we've grown in numbers but when I think about our church it has nothing to do with that no it, it's the times the building, that yeah. yeah it's the times that the people have come to pray at our home, you know, for good stuff and the tough stuff. It's that sharing life together. So I am so thankful that we dove into this topic today.
2: I am too. I'm loving this whole series, I gotta tell you.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And if you are too, if you enjoyed this podcast and this episode, please recommend us to your friends and family and share it on social media. Also, please hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave a rating or a comment because as we've told you before, that helps us out here at Kitchen Table Theology. It really
2: does. And to those of you who have done it, thank you very, very much.
1: Thank you, thank you. And also, check out today's episode notes for further information, and don't forget to head over to jeffcranston.com, where you may freely access our podcast archives and other resources to help your faith journey, like Pastor Jeff's sermons, books, and his blog. We do have another Q&A coming up soon, so drop us a question via email to Pastor Jeff at lowcountrycc.org, or watch Pastor Jeff's Instagram at Pastor Jeff Cranston, where we'll be asking for your questions. Our next podcast on the topic of ecclesiology is the church as a body, and we want to encourage you to always remember that the real power of theology is not just in knowing it, but applying it.
0: You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at Jeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.